yeah, just clothes are secondary. Don't get me wrong. I love clothes. Clothes are cool. But it's like, if you know me, I never talk about clothes. Anyone who knows me knows that. Like, I'll never, I just, I think taste is about how you live your life and how you treat people, right? My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo. My guest this week is fashion director for GQ and GQ Style, costume designer and stylist, Mobilaji Dawadu. Mobilaji talks about the dualities of his experience growing up in Nigeria and Virginia and how that shaped him into the person he is today. We explore everything from his joy rides in his mother's car to his early days grinding his way through New York City's retail scene while simultaneously building his career as an onset stylist. Plus, we hear his thoughts on past projects from working with the Black Eyed Peas, Brad Pitt, Kanye West, and more. From the fader and GQ to the Apple silhouette ad campaign in the 2000s, you've definitely seen his work, even if you didn't know it. But you should. Let's go. How have things been going? No, nah, things are good, man. I am. Um, I'm uh, healthy, and I've uh, yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting time in life, right? Yeah, to say the least. Did you ever think you would do, uh, like remote styling? <laughs> never. I never. I never thought about it. You know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of wild, actually. It's kind it, of, it is. It's, it's kind of exhausting because. You can never really replace human contact with a camera. Right. So you you know that I think a big a big part of styling is like a feeling and like interacting with someone and body language and taking the temperature of the room. So I think you exert more when you don't have all those things, right? Right. Yeah, I mean cuz there's I mean I've been on sets and stuff before. There's definitely a vibe Oh, you know, yeah. there's an energy that you feel where people feel on. There's there's a, like a, a, a performative, you know, energy that kind of like flows through everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Music, you know, music is a big one for me while I'm singing. Oh, my God, big you're time. right. Yeah, that's a big, big deal. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on um, <laughs> when I'm styling on Zoom, like a lot of times I'll have someone helping me out on location. And I'll tell them to put on my Spotify and play it while it's going on. Oh, that's a that's a really good idea. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, music is just really important to me personally while I'm styling. It's it's almost like yeah, it's almost like uh, catching my balance in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you first get into music? Oh, I don't even know life without music. Yeah. Yeah, my dad waking us up early in the morning like we weren't sleep blasted music oh, so yeah really? music has always been been a vibe always what was he playing playing hmm, what was he playing he's playing a lot of fella hardcore hardcore um mm-hmm. sade a lot of sade a lot of earth wind and fire commodores grover washington jr ebenezer obey sunny eye day oh damn was he a musician not at all just understood it. Those are all, all those bands you mentioned and artists you mentioned, those are like real head musicians. Yeah, hardcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, hardcore. I mean, maybe that's why he was blasting it so much. Yeah. And it was funny because his personality was a bit, his everyday personality was a bit different from the vibe of the music, that's for sure. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think in some ways, I think that my personality and my energy is consistent with the music I play and like, the amount, the role that music plays in my life, you know? Yeah, that's it's a weird language that's universal that I don't think people can escape. And like, you know, whenever someone tries to explain something that's in the back of their head, I feel like they're always listening to music or they're referring to music. Like for me, like my dad was a musician and grew up in and around recording studios and I grew up in and around recording studios. So every bit of music that I liked was always dissected by my dad. He'd be like, well, yeah, but you really should listen to Toto. And I was like, well, okay. And he'd be like, yeah, because I was trying to explain him punk rock one time. And he's like, the Ramones suck. And I was like, dad, no, the Ramones, are, they were energy. They were, they were rebelliousness. He's like, no, nah, they were shitty. He's like, you should listen to Al Stewart. He could write a song. And I was like, Al Stewart? And I didn't even learn about that guy until I got into Paul Simon. It was mm. just like, 
it's it's weird man there's there's definitely something like hidden in music that everyone also loves and it's like a universal way where like people want to belong absolutely yeah and so wait because your your father's nigerian mm-hmm. right and then your mother was uh american yep so what was that like because you you kind of grew up you were in virginia and then you were in nigeria i was in nigeria first and then i was in virginia that was interesting it was a truly african-american experience right yeah um it was interesting very interesting it was just like two different worlds for sure two different worlds like parents coming from two different worlds and also having the opportunity to experience childhood in both of their worlds you know what i mean a lot of times you have a parent from a place a foreign place and I would say more than not, a lot of times, I'm not going to say more than not, but I would say a lot of times you live in one country rather Mm -hmm. than two. So it was, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it shaped me. It was excellent. Excellente. Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, there's a, like, what's Christmas like? Because that's the thing when you, especially when you have, you have all sorts of different um, oh yeah, I don't even celebrate Christmas. Christmas is just the holidays. It's more about the holidays. Yeah, yeah. But but in general, I would say my parents on both sides are like low key and easy about holidays and stuff like that. That's cool. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, a brother and a sister. Are you friends with them? Yeah, definitely. That's We're all cool. cut from the same cloth, and if you meet us, you can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> in what way i mean shit we sound alike okay we look alike and i would say that our psyches have definitely have similarities for sure i think our outlook is similar interesting our our, our parents had a strong hold <laughs> on us equally in some ways obviously we all had our different experiences as human beings sure especially sure. one being the older one mm-hmm. being the middle and one being the baby so it's like you have all the all the syndromes which you one know? were you were you the middle I'm the baby are you the baby hell yeah see i would have pegged you as a middle no why do oh. i seem like i i'm striving for attention <laughs> no see the middle i was the middle the middle oh. i feel like that's always the rock that's, really well I guess different parental experiences, <laughs> but for me, yeah, my yeah. brother was a loose cannon, and my little brother was, you know, yeah. The oldest one is the guinea pig, always. Yeah, the guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't have a curfew when I was younger because basically because my dad was a pastor and everything I did was church stuff. But like, you know, I just didn't. I didn't do anything. Yeah, that I, sounds like. Well, that was kind of me as the as the youngest. I would like. I would tell my mom. But also, my mom got remarried, and she was in love when I hit high school. So it was mm-hmm. wonderful. And I, I would, I would literally leave home at seven thirty on a Friday, and and be like, "Mama, I'm going to the mall." And I would show back home at five a.m. No questions asked. Zero questions asked. Zero. It was great. Wait, what were you doing? Oh, I was, I was an explorer, man. I used to go out of town. Go to like clubs, fake IDs, uh, like out of town a little bit. And my mom had a business, so she used to go away for like a month at a time. So I used to have free reign with a license, free reign. <laughs> she ran a retail store, right? No, no, no. She had a clothing business that uh, she just traveled around the different places in the Caribbean and just had like different shows, basically. Oh. And spent time in Nigeria. They were made in Nigeria. So she was just kind of like a professional gypsy. Damn. And then you got your license and you just hightailed it. Oh, yeah. I was I was take, I was was stealing my mom's car when I was 13. She'd go in the shower and I would go for a joyride. And you you never crashed it? No, 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 no. I think that's why I got a lot, got away with stuff because I didn't. No, I never crashed it. I got <laughs> caught once. I got caught once. And then what happened? Well, it was it was just so wild because I was always kind of short, 
and my aunts were at my mom's i think my mom had company so i was like looking around i'm like okay they're in mid-conversation they look like they're going in deep yeah just slip outside real quick and drive (laughs) around and that's what i used to do she used to go in the shower i was like okay i have like 12 minutes i just joyride and i could yo it's kind of wild i could barely see over the um Staring well, my mom had a van, so it was crazy. I mean, now that I think back, and I looked very young when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Wild. It was crazy. It was a bit crazy. What was the first record you put in your car when you got your when you started driving? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I might have to say Sade. That's one that's one that I remember definitely listening to a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to a lot of Sade when I was a kid. My mom used to come in my room and be like, are you okay? I'm like, no, <laughs> shit sounds good. <laughs> are you okay? you want to talk about it? I'm like, no, sounds good. <laughs> do, do you hear the struggle? Do you hear your life? No. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just love Sade. I would say Sade, Lauren Hill, and Biggie. I oh. feel like those were, those were, those were my... Some of my main joints. Three say. quiet revolutionaries. Yeah, those are my main joints, kind of. So you are living in various places, having a good life. You get your license, you're cruising around, you got music in your blood. Yeah. <laughs> your, fam- your family loves you, you have a good life. So what happened? You go to high school and, th- and then what? No, I went to high school and... I lived in Richmond, Virginia, which great, was... Great town. Yeah, great town. Also the capital of the Confederacy. Um, Not a great place? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a great place to grow up, but, you know, it's a complicated history as, as uh, one can imagine, especially things that have been spotlighted in the last year, yeah. year and change. But uh, that had a pretty... Uh, enjoyable childhood and then but i knew i had to leave i was like richmond i'm like it's a nice place to grow up i think i guess right I feel yeah it was cool but i had to roll out that was i mean that's one thing i always knew i used to come to new york when on spring break since i was like 13 and i was like oh okay this is where it is mm. and then i moved to uh dc area for like a year Without the, I opted out of going to school, college. I went to a community college and my sister was going to University of Maryland. So I was like, okay, I'm 17. I don't know what the hell I want to do. Forget about, I mean, like, I'm just going to waste someone's money, right? You're, so I just you're crashed with my exact, sister. Yeah. I crashed with my sister and my brother because they lived in that area. And I went to community college and then I saw a brochure for a school in New York. And then after two semesters, I... I hightailed it to New York. Damn. What'd your folks think when you told me you weren't going to school? Um, they didn't know the usual traditional, like, I don't even remember in some ways. Cause like, it's nothing that they were going to say to make me go. Mm. Honestly, to be honest, I was very like, um, I think my mom was probably more forgiven. My dad was, was like, oh, what are you going to do? But I was going to community college, so it wasn't like I was doing zero. And I moved away from home. That's the other part. That's, That's right. the key. That's the key. I, I knew I wasn't – it wasn't about me not, like, aspiring to, to, like, do shit. It was more about I'm 17. This is a lie. Like, who – like, this is a lie. <laughs> who knows what they want to do at 17? I mean, some people do, right? Some people do. But I, was I like, would say no, it's no, no. very few and far between. Yeah, I think it's the pressure of tradition that makes people think or feel like they know what they want to do, right? Um, and a bunch of money later, they might feel otherwise. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, my parents were pretty all right. They were cool. I think my parents believed in my spirit. Now that I think back, you know, mm. I knew they. I think they knew that I wasn't. I wasn't gonna be a bum. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they weren't really tripping. That was the same thing with me. Like I 
I was going to go to college and I actually had like kind of a full ride hookup because yeah. of my grandma. She was an Indian and um, and I was like, oh, I could go to the school. And, you know, my parents were like, oh, and you can apply for all these programs. And I was like, man, I was like, but I don't like in my mind, I was like, I don't deserve this. Like, I don't want this like and I didn't even know what I was going to do. I yeah. I, uh, I remember because. I mean, you've been in the American education system. It's like there's so much stuff that's about trying to prepare for your future. But yeah, yeah. like all yeah. I wanted to do was like play music and like get like wear like cool clothes. Like I had no fucking understanding because I, I moved to New York when I was 19. Yeah. Um, and I actually had tried to move to London before that, but that was a shit show. And and the London bombings happened, and then they uh they sent me home. Uh, it also. Here's some some free advice. If you ever go to another country and they say, "What are you doing?" you say, "I'm moving here." <laughs> it may not be that, <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I was in that same boat because, but like, I had I had drive. You know, I was gonna, I was still gonna do something. I wasn't yeah. hitting my folks up for money because I had a lot of friends who went to school, and like, God bless them, like they were bums. I'm like, sure, yeah. you, you're there, you're at that school, and you're gonna get your finance degree, but like you hate your life and you have no drive to do anything. It doesn't mean I'm better. It just means I don't think different yeah. way of there's a different way of growing up. I would Ex- say exactly. that's what's happening in that time. I think there's this idea that once you leave home, like there's this, I think that's a very American thing too, actually you know, mm-hmm. you're an adult, but it's like, you're just, you're actually just starting to grow up because that's when you're like, that's when they've let you loose. What are you really going to do without rules? Seriously, that's the mm-hmm. grow up. That's actually growing up in some ways, right? That's the best part of New York. Yeah, hell yeah. I moved to New York at 18, so I was uh, ready. Yeah, that's it. I remember because when I told my dad, I was like, all right, I was like, I'm going to New York. And he was like, well, I'm, little, I'm a little bit worried. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm going to be fine. And he was like, well the one thing that's going to happen when you leave home is you're going to have to figure out what kind of man you're going to be. And I was like, shit, it was some heavy stuff, man. Mm, mm. So, so you moved to New York and then what was that energy like? I felt like I fit in, you know, Mm. I love New York because you can disappear. I wanted to disappear and just exist. Yeah. And that's the best thing for me about New York. It's about, it's about disappearing. You can always like, quote unquote be someone but depending on where you live suburbs all of that you can't disappear disappearing is the key for me about new york oh damn you could be somewhere anywhere that's some heavy shit man i that's a very good point yeah no you're right you're right where where were you going were you going to like tonic what What is that what is a tonic tonic was like Tonic was a club in the Lower East Side, but it wasn't like a club, oh, like, a like Miss where, where was it? Where was it? It was on Norfolk. Norfolk and Delancey. Yeah, Yoko Ono a... would sing there and like yell. Nah, 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 nah. My New York... But then you had Gil Scott Heron come up and just like do some random stuff. Yeah, my, my original New York wasn't like that. I knew one person when I moved to New York. So I, I knew one person and I lived in Staten Island in a trailer park. Okay. okay. So like my my shit was like totally, but I I went to school at LIM school called LIM. And yeah. Then, and then uh, I worked at Banana Republic. When I first get that got Dawson there. pant. Heard that. <laughs> oh wow wow. <laughs> Bro, Dawson, I worked there too. <laughs> Dawson or the Emerson. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> there you Stretch go. Stretch Poplin. That's right. All oh, day. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Did you ever sell shoes? Do you remember what that was called? Spiff? Uh, I no. I I do remember the the hot two bucks. Like, two bucks a shoe if you sold shoes at Banana Republic back in the that's day. That's right. And yeah. everyone was getting that. Um, it was like a square toe high vamp loafer, and you'd wear that with your Dawson pant. Yeah, they're probably called the Baxters or something. There's a oh, shoe called shit. the Baxters. Yo, those were kind of. I'd I'd probably bust those out if I had those right now. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> How diplomatic. It was definitely my foundation <laughs> in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're so you're living in Staten Island. You're working at Banana. Oh uh, yeah, but I was but I was working at Banana. But my my beginning in New York was like I was going to like Copa. I was going to Spanish clubs. Like my first close friend that I met in New York, Dominican cat. I was in like Puerto Rican spots in Washington, like in in like Queens, like bachata, salsa, like like oh. uh, like a different side. And I'm so glad that I actually that was my beginning of New York. Because then all the quote-unquote hip shit came later. Mm-hmm. But the hip shit, you know, was inevitable anyway. But yeah. that's the stuff that when you meet people that move to New York, they don't know about that part of New York. That's like the real deal in New York. Like, you're at a club in Queens on Atlantic Avenue. <laughs> like, on your way to JFK. Like, being the only, like, black dude not dancing because you don't know salsa, bachata, or merengue, or none of that stuff, you know? But it was interesting. It was interesting. Very interesting. And I used to drive in the boroughs a lot. Then I moved to the Bronx. I used to go to like random interesting parties. I mean, I mean, yeah, I used to just go out like crazy. Who are you hanging with? You said you had one friend. Yeah, yeah, I had one friend and he had his friends. He was a New Yorker. Okay. So we just just roll, you know? Because I was going to say, how'd you find that stuff if you... Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't have. Like... Mm. I arrived in New York and I rolled with New Yorkers. Like, mm. I wasn't living downtown. It was like, oh, I mean, we covered, I covered it all. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I covered it all. But that's how I started. Like, I was going to, do you remember Spot Club? No. Yeah. So I, I moved to New York in 04. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That was deaded by then. <laughs> I was in New York. I was in New York when life was still around. You ever heard of life? No. Or the tunnel? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to... York. I, I moved to New York right before, like, the end of uh, the end of what people always talk about when they say New York and the old days, like, yeah. So, like, Juliana era. era oh, it's absolutely. Like, or Juliana, Hard. excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. Like, did you live in New York at all when you could smoke inside places or no? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it depends on where, because like I would go to spots. Because my, my first roommate was this vibraphone player named Bill Ware, and he was a super crazy dude. And he would take me around to places because he was in his fifties. Oh, and yeah, and because I was like, "What do you do?" And he he would just go on random trips all the time. He played in Europe a bunch, and then um, I found out he played he played vibes for Steely Dan for a long time. Like, I mean, this this guy was connected. Yeah, and that name my, sounds familiar. I mean, he no, he he did some stuff with Roy Nathanson and also Debbie Harry of yeah. Blondie, and so he took me to places, but they were all really weird. And there, people were smoking, but I don't know if you could. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like you go into anywhere and it's like smoke. I remember when they the they banned smoking. Actually, damn, I remember it was a big deal. Did you ever? Were you in New York? Let me tell you how, how long I've been in New York. <laughs> no, I'm I'm yeah. all here for it. Mordecai and I okay. used to work at Lucky Brand in Soho together. You know Mordecai? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Everyone knows Mordecai. <laughs> we used to work at Lucky Brand mm. in Soho back in okay. the day. Yo, that was before 9-11. Yeah, I was going to say. Mordecai and I used to like go on our breaks. And come back in a different type of mood. Let's put it like that. Heard. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. Like Mordecai and I went to um, <laughs> Mordecai and I once went to the Maury Povich show in a limo. Back in the day, in a limo, we were like, we were like our heads through the. I mean, do people even see limos still these days? I mean, we were Damn. driving down like Maury Povich sent a limo to pick us up in Crown Heights. And we were like rolling around in the limo. Like I didn't drink until late. I didn't drink until like twenty two or twenty three. But we had champagne. We were like it was very funny. It was oh, very funny. Wow, it was very funny. Mori Povich is like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So you're in New York and you're you're getting the scene. You're disappearing, 
And where, you know, because, yeah, you, you yeah, bounced a bunch seen. of retail spots. But you bounced around a bunch of retail spots. Yeah. And, like, when did you start to put things together that you're like, okay, I think, early. I think I'm a stylist here. Like, I think I'm... Early. Yeah. But I didn't... It was early, I must say, because I was going to school for LIM, fashion merchandising. And I don't even remember. I don't even remember how long I went to school. That's how much the streets got me. <laughs> no, 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 I don't even remember whether I stopped like a year and a half in. I don't even remember. It was irrelevant. But mm. um, yeah, I was working at uh, Then Republic and then I started working at uh, D&G downtown. That was an interesting intro into downtown. I, I was working at the um, showroom, Dolce Gabbana D&G showroom downtown. Yeah. They used to have a showroom downtown. And then I worked at the store at the same time. And that was really my intro into like, oh, okay, high fashion vibes, you know? And yeah. understanding the whole psyche and like customers and being in Soho, like when it was hardcore, like the place shopping season in West Broadway. Yeah. Um, I mean, hardcore. It was very funny. And then I worked at Lucky Brand. I worked at H&M for a couple of weeks. I uh, I worked at Adidas for a little while. But all but through this time, I started uh, assisting, styling. I was like in a music video early on. And then I just I was just out there and I kept meeting cats all the time. Mm. And I was just like, yo, you know, this is pre-social media. So it's really like you see someone and it's like humanity in the flesh. Right? Yeah. Like... Like, you can curve a DM. How many times can you curve someone who's who's not <laughs> being not cool and they're asking you something? Think about that. How many times can you curve someone when they didn't do anything to you and it's not like you don't, it's not like you don't appreciate the energy, but like no, if someone yeah. is hungry and young, how can you curve them? You can DM someone and it doesn't matter. Like my friend uh DM'd me today, she DM'd me something and I didn't respond. Because that's not even real to me in some ways. It's only real when I'm respond when I'm reacting sometimes. Right, right. And she's like, oh you don't answer DMs and I'm like, uh are you serious? Don't you have my <laughs> number? That's how I feel about it. Don't no, I mean number? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like, are you really asking me this? Really? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I feel. Like, what? Okay. But I get it. Some people are more sensitive about but it's that. true there's a different level of intimacy there and i think it's there's a, there's also and this is i'm not calling out anyone but there's a there's a real sort of ingrained hustle when people have to try to get a gig or to keep a gig through all personal like physical in-person relationships you know, yeah, it yeah. not through some like DM and then they kind of like vet you by seeing who else follows you or how many followers you have. Just like yeah. you see the person, you get a vibe from them and you go. And you got to remember, right? Pre-social media, there was more wandering. You don't, people don't wander anymore. Well, let's not talk True. about since the pandemic because that's a new life. That's yeah. another conversation. But before that, no one, I mean, you kind of, skip those steps like i used to literally wander around the streets like i used to have a backpack and a toothbrush at all times because mm. like you know you might not know where you land right mm. before social media bumping into people and the idea of destiny was a lot it hit you a lot stronger i agree there was there's there's no like you look on someone's story and see like this spot is ha happening let's cruise by or like you text someone. Yeah, you're texting people, but it wasn't, it just wasn't common like that. You just like rolled out. You're like, it was T9. Yes. Let's yeah, just yeah. take a stroll around and see. It's like, oh, is there music coming out of there? Literally walk yeah. in the spot. If it's whack, walk out. That's you right. You know what I mean? Like keep walking to another spot. Like if you made your mind up, you're going to go out, you're going to go out. And you might end up in some weird shit that you've never experienced before, but you're like, you know what? I'm wandering around the unknown. I don't even know what's going on, you know? And I think that element of surprise was uh, was something different, you know? I Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, social media. No, I think social media is great. You know, it's transformed the world in so many ways. 
I mean, that's an understatement, actually. But mm. I think that destiny and crossing paths hit you in a different way before social media. I agree. And I think there was there was a time in New York to to where like my buddies and I, we would go out we go it's grab made me lazier, that's for sure. Yeah, we'd Without go grab a, a Yeah, we'd grab a slice, we'd just start wandering around and whatever had a line, we'd kind of go check out and be like, oh, okay, there's some people out there, what's going on here? Exactly. We'd go to like random ass hotels and just go sit in the lobby. <laughs> exactly. Just like <laughs> And that was cool because you'd bump into folks and, yep. you know, and you I'll really honest, met your tribe. You met your right. tribe without, right. without, how about this? You met your tribe without creeping on your tribe. <laughs> now, social media, everyone's a creep. They can play it cool all they want. Yeah. You've, you've seen things before. How many times do people like come in your path and they act like they don't know what's going on when they've watched your stories and they play it cool? <laughs> That's some trippy <laughs> shit. People don't want to admit it, but it's true. Like mm-hmm. crazy. Like, you know, you can seek out and creep on your on your tribe in quotes, <laughs> right? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a thing like that too, into which you also, you know, you'd go out, you kind of you hung out with whatever, you know, whatever folks you get, and like all my jobs that I got in New York, everything. I mean, that was all just because I was there. You yep. just be at the be at the place. Hell yeah! And it was cool. And I mean, yeah, and yeah. that's that's. I don't think that that is totally gone from yeah. New York, but there's a there's a part of that that I definitely lament and and miss. Um, but I don't think I don't think it's yeah yeah. But I I guess it just runs so much deeper than New York. But yeah yeah for sure because because sure. social media doesn't make New York as relevant anymore actually agreed it's like yo back i mean if you saw it if you could see it whatever okay i'm in greece right now mm-hmm. the minute i see it in greece the minute you saw it in new york the minute someone saw it in birmingham alabama the minute someone saw it in iowa is the same shit okay like in india do you have a phone you can see it the same second I see it. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, that's why like people can move out the city and everyone's like, oh, gotta <laughs> live in the country. I'm gonna live in the city. You know why? Because <laughs> you just turn your phone off and you're in the phone on and you're in the city, right? <laughs> that's true. You're what the city historically used to give you before, so it's not worth the same. Yeah. yeah I mean, I right. love my New York. It's not worth the same. Cities aren't worth the same anymore, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. So you start bumping into folks and you're figuring out that you 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 know what's going on. And yeah. <laughs> you start assisting folks. Yeah. And then what where did where did things start to pop? Because I remember I'd first heard about you. Now this is way I'm not trying to gloss over your career or anything, but like this was like, yo, you were doing stuff with like Kanye. Oh man, that was hilarious. That was two thousand and three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was 2003. I did a shoot with Kanye that was in page six. That was yeah. hilarious. Um, um, maybe, maybe 2002, 2003 was when it started getting interesting. 2004 is when it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Passports getting stamped. There you go. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's when it started popping on my own. But I was doing, I was assisting though. I didn't assist that long. I jumped fast. Mm. So, um, and were you building? Were you building your business yourself, or did you like get someone that was managing you? Because I think a lot of people think about styling, but then also people forget that like people got to get paid. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. But I always, I always had a job. Mm. I didn't stop working another job until yeah. I always had a job. For me, it was always like. If you don't have income, you're going to suffer. So, like, I needed income. As long as I had income, I, you know, if you have money, you have options. So, <laughs> that's right. It's really like that. So, I just kind of would work on my off days. I would assist. I started getting random stuff. I mean, I was doing, I used to do like Foot Locker ads, which is so easy. You just 
they throw you like a referee outfit, <laughs> just pick some sneakers straight up. That's what Foot Locker had is. Yeah, yeah. I was doing and one. You remember? You ever heard of and one? That's yeah. Oh my boy, yeah. I was doing um, the first person I assisted was R. Kelly stylist. Okay. Yeah, so I was like, okay, this is a green Celtics shirt. Let's go find a green matching Celtics hat. <laughs> there you go. Let's go. Like, it was very basic, but it it it. It gave me the foundations for the idea of what it what it all was, you know? Yeah. But then I have to talk about this other part that I always forget. I had a clothing line that I used to make when I was 21. Okay. And it was made in Nigeria. Actually, that's what happened a little bit. You know, I was doing that while I was working in Lucky Brand. I would take trips to Nigeria. It was random. Like, when I say grassroots, I mean grassroots. But it kind of caught on a bit. And, like, I was dressing common. I, oh, damn. I had my shirt on the cover of the source with Nas rocking it. Okay. Andre three thousand. All the cats, man. All the, all the cats, right? You know who Roy Hargrove is, jazz musician. Yeah. I outfitted one of his like world tours, and this was like that's that's kind of how it got turned. I turned it up a little bit, and then I was doing that while I was styling, but I was like, I was mature enough to like do a business or whatever. But it was happening, right? For like a yeah. few years, a couple years. And then styling was happening at the same time. And that's how I got put on with the fader. The fader wrote an article about my clothing line. And that's how I got connected to the fader. Oh, and there you how, go. And then, then I started, uh, like I did my first fader cover when I was 22. Damn. And then it, uh, yeah, it was like, all right. And then I really started working for fader when I was 23, hardcore. Mm-hmm. And then I started traveling like crazy from there. Then a lot of things happened in between. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's that is heavy. And like one of the things that I'm curious about too, because I feel like a lot of I'm gonna like air quote stylists. Yeah, people yeah. would say they're stylists, but really, and I I'm one of those people because I dressed a few folks. But what I realized is I just knew how to dress myself. Yeah, you know, and I think when you see someone who is a true stylist, they can they can dress that person better than that person. And it may be totally different than what mm. they themselves would wear. They're able mm. to kind of amplify an identity in a way that that person didn't even know that they wanted. And that's something you're really good at. I appreciate that. Well, I think, um, I always say this, but like, I feel that... Um, yeah, just clothes are secondary. Don't get me wrong. I love clothes. Clothes are cool. But it's like, if you know me, I never talk about clothes. <laughs> Rare. If you know me, I never talk about clothes. You'll never come up. You'll never. Anyone who knows me knows that. Like, I'll never. I just. It's. I think taste is about how you live your life and how you treat people. Right. So clothes is part of how you live your life, the way you express yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just an extension of the taste you have and the way you. You function, you know? Mm. Yeah, I just like, I, I dig people. I'm interested in people. I think I have taste, but it's really more about people, I think. Mm. And then how do you refine, and there's there's no answer, like there's no wrong answer here, but like how do you refine that for that person? I think it's really about, it's really about talking to people. Yeah. It's really about communicating and collaborating. Like, and you know, and it also, it takes, you know, it takes time. I mean, after a while, you know, there's no better experience like experience, right? Mm-hmm. So after a while, you know, you start to have your identity. You have, you start to understand, you start to feel, you start to just get better at feeling temperature, the temperature of the room, you know? Because mm. there's very different styling celebrities and people of notoriety versus styling a model. A model is there to be have clothes put on them. Not to say that the model doesn't have personality, but I think it's very different. Like, how do you communicate to the biggest superstars in the world who obviously are that because that's why they're there, right? (laughs) They're not there by mistake. True. Right? Yep. So I think it's important for me personally in the way I do work. It's just important to listen to what they have to say, kind of, you know? I like doing that. For me, it's better. Sometimes people are like, just 
do what you want to do or whatever. But I personally like feedback from people. Interesting. And I and I don't mind telling the truth. I could. I mean, I don't mind telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm known to tell the truth to a lot of. I've been on set with people. you. I've seen you. I've seen you work. What shoot? Uh, well, you did some stuff with when it was like all the different stores for this was GQ style. This is ah um, uh, yeah 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 that's right. Yeah, I remember yeah. being on sets and stuff with you, and I think the thing that I definitely want to call out is there was a peace and like uh, a calmness in your attitude at all times because like. If you're on a set and there's a shoot that's going on, there's about 500 different things happening. Nothing's happening on time. People are late. People are early. People are bored. People are asking questions. No one knows what's to do. Um, you got food. You got like people half dressed. You you got a bunch of stuff you're missing. You got things that you got to change at the last minute. And I've seen you walk around at complete peace <laughs> and just being like, okay. Well, we're gonna try this one instead. And I've and I've seen and worked with other stylists and even been a stylist myself. And it's like, wait, we don't we don't have that belt. Well, then the look is then the look is fucked. And then now that person's yelling at an assistant, and the whole energy just gets like toxic. But like when you're there, you're calm. Yeah, there's a few there's a few reasons why. I think that by nature, I'm calm. I think by nature. The other thing is that the first. I had some experiences when I was first assisting and the people I was working for were not very nice to me. And I'm I used sorry. to, huh? I said, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> that. And, and I don't think it was personal. It wasn't about me. It was personal. I realized I'm like, damn, man, what happened to you? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I really used to think that like, what? And mm. I always, I always used to, because I always give people, when I give people advice, I'm always like, listen, when you're assisting and people are tripping or whatever, remember it's not about them. It's about you. What are you taking away from this? Kill that noise of feeling their energy or their wildness. Obviously, I mean, if there's some blatant disrespect and some crazy shit going on, that's something different. But it's like, it's, mm. it's, it's your world. It's all our worlds, right? Okay. So I'm going to bring it back before I go left. Um, I think it's, a, I think I'm calm in general. I think B, um, that experience. And I always told myself, like, yo, I'm not like doing something I don't want to do. Why, why, why would I? Why would I act crazy? Like, why are you yelling at people if you you like your job? That doesn't. <laughs> that concept is very doesn't make sense to me. That's ridiculous to me. Like, why are you acting crazy, disrespecting people, and you claim to like your job? That's just that's just against all logic to me. So that whole fashion aspect of that, people should kill that crap because mm. it's really like some wild egos tripping out, right? Which I've always thought was ridiculous, okay? And um, that's one thing. And also, I, I think um, I've been a lot of places and I've seen a lot of stuff. And it's like, you know what? Life is Life is good. And it's like, I'm having a good time. And... I have everything I need and like, I can't really trip out if there isn't a belt, right? Mm -hmm. Styling wise for the fader, I did a lot of street casting and I would take clothes, like two bags of clothes. I'd show up in India. I took a road trip around Africa. I'd show up anywhere, Malaysia, Colombia, street cast people and literally dress them on the spot. So that's one reason why I'm calm with styling, because now that I have more resources, I mean, imagine walking around Mumbai. This is no lie. In 90 degrees, this is real talk, 90 degrees, a duffel bag that you put in your hotel, wasted water to steam the clothes, <laughs> tried to fold them in duffel bags, not duffel bags of wheels, a duffel bag that goes with my arm, Oof. right? That must... That must, I don't know, weigh like at least like 30 pounds. I don't know. I would balance it out. And um, yeah, you're walking around Mumbai and you're like meeting people and you're shooting people on the spot, photographing people on the spot. So like when there's not a belt missing, <laughs> it's like if you're missing a belt or a pair of pants and you have a bunch of clothes in a rack and you can't figure it out, it's two things. A, 
you're probably tripping. <laughs> B, you might not be as good as your, at your job as you think you are. Yeah, I can't think of the third one right now. <laughs> but like... That's, I mean, I mean that's like, enough. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. Like, because I mean, I've seen stuff. You can always adapt. Style is not about, it's not all about clothes. Like I said before, it's about the way you present something. Mm. Style is about presentation and taste. It's not necessarily about clothes. And I think that's where, that's somewhere where people have no style and have no taste with the way, especially in fashion, the way they behave towards other people and people who are working for them, actually. Yeah. That's a that's a real thing. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's shameful, actually. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, but it's... And it's interesting, too, because when you think about, like, the industry, it's tiny. And, like, yeah. people's reputations... And at least for me, like, that's all I have. I don't got a famous family. I don't got a trust fund. I don't got secret bank accounts or, yeah. you know, yeah. car... Like, all I got is my reputation. Yeah. And so for me, you know, and especially like that's one of the things my folks put into me. It's like, you just got to be a good person. If yeah. if people don't remember your name, but they remember you're a nice guy, like I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. My Angelo, people remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Not what you said, how you made them feel. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Damn. So as you, as you like kind of like start to, to grow and stuff more, and evolve further you kind of find your way over to where where'd you go after the fader was it you didn't jump to gq then there right yeah see the thing about the fader is that while i was at the fader i was doing a lot of stuff i did like three or four movies feature films while i was at the fader i was doing music videos have you ever seen my humps black eyed peas yeah yeah i did my humps did you shit yeah that didn't pop up in my research I've been around. Um, I was doing... You remember the Apple Silhouette commercials? Hell yeah. Oh, I was doing those. What? Yeah. Someone needs to update all all the stuff on you online, though, by the way. I just... <laughs> no, I just... It's funny because I worked at the Fader for 10 years, but I didn't... I worked there... Uh, I was freelance. Very freelance. Like, yeah. the pay, Fader wasn't paying me anything, and I never... Was tri- I never tripped because I was like, you can't pay me what I really want. So I'm just going to be free and have I, um, have an outlet. It was very important for me to, I mean, imagine, right, for the last 16 years, I've always had work on the newsstands but nonstop for 15 years. That's huge. I know a lot of big-ass stylists who don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to see a lot of people like seven years in, like, you're still the fader? But I'm like, hmm, have you been watching Apple commercials? <laughs> but, I, but while I was at the Fader, I was doing a lot of things. I was doing films. I was doing commercials for like Under the Sun, you name it. Like, you know, at the Fader, I did, you know, you know, Nike Tech Fleece? Yeah. Yo, I did the first Tech Fleece campaign. Damn. Like I was working with Nike for a, a, a while. Like I've Reebok, you name it. I've, I've done a lot. Like, but also music videos not music videos but commercials i mean i was doing dove commercials for women's month like so many different things and yeah it was a it was a great experience did they put you did you get thrown into like local 829 and stuff with all this oh uh, yeah. yeah i have to do yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah because that that's what happened with me i worked on some commercials once and they put me in the union which was great and i got like fast tracked because i was like attached to it uh client that i was represent or i was working for yeah and it was nice though because then i was able to go and do a few things here and there as like very very low assistant but i had like i basically had a steady stream of work for a while even when things were like pretty rough but it's crazy i didn't i wasn't doing i wasn't in i wasn't in the union when i was doing all that stuff oh damn that's crazy because i don't know how i was able to do it i mean i guess the good thing about my career uh, coming up was that I had a very, I think I had a very specific identity. It's hard for me sometimes to separate it. So people wanted, people were like, oh, I want this guy specifically a lot of times, right? So I got to work on commercials, but I didn't really get into the union until I did a Disney film. And that was fast, after that was fast track. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's that's the thing that like everyone, you know, forgets about, especially at least for me in my age now where I'm like, shit, I don't care. I just need health insurance, man. And yeah. it's like you get those health insurances with the union and you're like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the union is the union is interesting. It's good. Damn. So that's wild. I mean, and that's cool because I think a lot of people to even stylists I know, they have an extremely, you know, distinct aesthetic. And all that stuff that you mentioned from like Dove campaigns and Apple commercials and Nike tech fleece and all that, like those are not um that like similar like it just shows how strong you are in your ability to again like amplify folks versus like come in and like make your mark yeah no i mean yeah it's it's interesting (laughs) (laughs) that that's dope i mean that's a rare thing and i think that's why you've had such a, a career and why you continue to have one do you um so, I mean, you come over to GQ when, like, GQ basically starts their renaissance as, like, Will starts to come in there. And now, like, GQ went from a magazine that was about, like, wearing your suit tight to a very welcoming and um, evolving aesthetic. Yeah, evolving, for sure. Yeah. is a good word. Yeah. And how's um, that yeah, been? And- no, it's been great, you know? I mean, the great thing about uh, GQ with Will and I is that Will and I have known each other since we were 22. We started our careers together. Yeah, I was going to say, because you talk yeah, about the fader. we started our careers together. <laughs> yeah, so like, Will and I are strong together because we know the essence, we know the root of who we are. We literally started our careers together. Like, he's 22, or like 21, 22, or 22, 23. We start our careers together. So, like, figuring it out, moving mm-hmm. around. Like, we've watched each other's style evolve. So, we know, we just know where we started. And we we knew each other, like, I mean, we were, I mean, if you've ever been to the Fader, it's like a small office. It was quite intimate. You know, the Fader has produced some folks, man. Absolutely. Seriously. Seriously. And, I mean, it's quite intimate, you know. You do it. You kind of do it all. So, you learn it all. So, I think... Will and I just have that trust and, you know, he, he, he trusted me and he allowed me to spread my wings and fly. And it's also, it was also, it was also good to have more resources than the fader. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. A little, a little bit of, of a different ball game, but you know. Yeah. The, the fader it's was been great. The fader was cool too, because I mean, I, I was trying to explain it to someone the other day and i was like it's more of like our generation no one to answer to you have no one to answer to at the fader it's, like there's no credit list that's fader true. isn't a fashion magazine i could go anywhere and put anything on those dudes i could literally and i mean the the founders of the fader they they definitely let us be youthful and like let us spread our wings with ideas man it was amazing yeah sure. i mean it's yeah i was saying it's like it's like our generation's rolling stone in the sense yeah. of like how, you know, culturally relevant and then how much it shaped all these other things from it. I mean, I remember I was working at Beggars and this is, you know, this was later, but this was like maybe 2008 or so or 2009. And my friend Dean had just signed uh, this band, King Cruel, was it basically a kid. And I know because yeah. you did some stuff with him, with Alfie. Yeah, right? I did the Fader cover with King Cruel. Yeah, and that was like, that was the <laughs> biggest funny. thing for us. Was like, because yeah. there was one with this other band that he had signed called Girls. Um, these two dudes out of SF. I remember Girls? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, then there was the King Cruel thing. And it was like, but only someone like the Fader had the foresight, you know, to be like, no, 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 this is this is what you want. And it was Absolutely. funny because, like, you know, people like Angelo Bach and, like, all, all the, like, real head people I knew were, like, that's that's the shit that you want. No, the Fader was remarkable. It was really remarkable. I mean, the Fader raised me. I remember it's just the, the Fader is interesting, man, because it was interesting to be there as New York shifted and, mm. and how media shifted and then the financial crisis and, like, and 
it was just it was just interesting. The fader raised me for sure. Even before I started working there, that was like I was trying to read the fader. I was yeah, it was very influential. I mean, the fader parties were the jam. I I remember fader four. People don't even know all that. Stuff. No, but forget about fader fort, man. <laughs> There's one time that fader had a party. You know, you know, meatpacking district. Hell yeah. I mean, sorry, obviously, obviously, you know, meatpacking. You know, Fifteenth Street. Mm-hmm. Fader parties used to be wild, man. One time they had the whole road blocked off. Like Fader parties are wild. Forget about Fader Fort. When I say forget about that, obviously Fader Fort was the jam. Even though I never went to Fader Fort in my years ever, <laughs> <laughs> I've only I've never really been to a music festival. I've been to one music festival. Okay. In, in, in Thailand, and I wandered there one day. I decided to go there the day of. It was like two hour drive from Bangkok, and I spent the night. And I literally slept in the grass on the on the on the ground. What the like, fuck? Adventure, adventure. <laughs> sure. And I wasn't. This wasn't that long ago. Like I had a kid. It wasn't that long. Okay. Ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was solo, but it was. Yeah, but uh, man, fader parties back in the day were crazy. Yeah. Huge. That's when they were pumping money into parties, man. Woof. That's true. That was. They were doing. I mean, it was crazy parties before. Crazy. Yeah. And then basically, like your your career kind of like skyrockets even further. And next thing you know, you're like, you know, you're doing covers with like Brad Pitt. I mean that that shit that's unreal, especially because of like what that was done with like basically with McGinley and all that. I mean, how, how did that happen? We were just coming up. I think what year was that? Two thousand and it wasn't that long ago, but no, yeah, it's two thousand and seventeen or two thousand and sixteen, something like that. Yeah. You know, the Brad Pitt, I, I almost remember we were talking about it. The Brad Pitt thing came, I mean, first of all, it's Brad Pitt, right? So Brad Pitt has already arrived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was the beginning of Trump era. I think I'm so. I'm almost sure. And it was about America. And, and it was like, yo, let's, let's do something in parks. Let's celebrate America. I think that's where it came from. Mm. And let's go to parks and like run around and, and whatever. That's kind of the, the, the origin of it. Like we did a, I'm gonna get back to Brad Pitt just just to give you an idea <laughs> of how when we were starting off at GQ, I, rem- I remember we we had a uh, winter issue, holiday issue, and <clears throat> it was like, oh, I was like, yo, let's do some, let's do like like a bunch of coats, like heavy coats, and I'll never forget. I don't know for some reason I saw this shoot with heavy coats, and they did it in the studio with all this fake snow and whatever. And I said to Will, I'm like, dude, let's go to the Alps, man. Let's go to the top of the Alps. Forget about this fake stuff. Let's go to the top of the Alps and shoot. And you know what we did? Like within a month, we were meeting our talent. They met us in, at the top on the top of the Alps in Hell a helicopter. Yeah. Hell it yeah. was crazy. It was dreaming. And we were dreaming. I mean, we're still dreaming, but it's it's a different type. I mean, it's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Less less media friendly. Sort of dreaming. Yeah. But we're still dreaming and we're adapting and it's still fun and interesting, you know? Yeah. But yeah, Brad Pitt, you know, that was, that was cool, man. Very cool. Especially because like it was not, Brad Pitt's been on some magazines over the years, right? Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, no shots to the people that did it. It was, it was, it was like a stereotypical great magazine shoot, you know? Yeah. But this was, I mean, his fucking face was in the sand. He was like yeah. half hanging upside. I mean, it you was know that, beautiful. I, I think that, that that Brad Pitt shoot was the seventh most viewed editorial of 2017. I'm, if, I'm almost sure. It had to be something crazy yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, it, was it was crazy. Earth shattering. It was crazy. And also, I remember he kept saying to me, he was like, Mobilaji, don't make me look stupid. I got kids. <laughs> don't make me look stupid. I'm like, dude. I'm not trying to make you look stupid. You're Brad Pitt, but I'm also not trying to make you look stupid. Yeah. Because if you look stupid, I feel stupid. Yeah. And I'm not in the business of feeling stupid. Heard that. Damn. Yeah, that was that was definitely some gnarly stuff that you guys were that doing. That was fun. That was fun. Like, we went to, like, Florida, Gators. We went to New Mexico and Caves. Went to White Sands. We went somewhere else. I don't remember right now. We're in LA. It was interesting. 
Fun fact, we went to all those places and we wanted to shoot his motorcycle. Somebody drove his motorcycles all the way to Florida and met us in every location, driving them from LA. Get out of town. They didn't just throw that on a trailer? Yeah, they threw it on a trailer and they drove the joint. Oh, okay, okay. That's (laughs) that's still nuts. Yeah, that's Brad Pitt life, man. Yeah, I mean. Seriously, it was kind of crazy. It was kind of crazy. Like we shot a week later in Florida after New Mexico Mm -hmm. and the guy kept going and he met us there. That's gnarly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know that like some of the, I believe like his groomer, like his hairstylist has basically been with them for like 10 plus years, probably even longer. Yeah. 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 But Brad Pitt is cool, man. He's so cool. And so now, I mean, you know, you're still at GQ. You're still doing more things. Like, do you do you ever see yourself kind of like getting more into like mentoring or stuff with other folks, or it's just like, you know, your career um, speaks for itself. Yeah, no, I'm always down to mentor in the right situation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, I do that here and there. I um, I also just like someone literally just called me before before this, mm. and was about to sign a contract. Another stylist. Okay. And she just asked me my advice, her for advice, you know, like my contemporary. But you know what I mean, like, yeah, I'm definitely down to mentor. But I do mentor, but in a very casual way as well. Yeah, but definitely, I want to like, want to teach classes. I was going to say because I think like yeah. the the stuff that you've been saying too. I mean, it's just helping people be at peace and know that it's more than the clothes, especially now when I feel like people often view their, their career as like analytics where it's like, all right, I got to be here by then. And it's like, but do you? No, 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 no. Listen, (laughs) I learned that early. I was like 23 doing Apple. You know, Mark Romanek is. Yeah. I'm very familiar with him. Yes. (laughs) Yo, I was doing commercials with Mark Romanek 23. I was shook. I was like, what? That's nuts. I was like, man. I, I've done Tracy Chapman videos. I was like, I was like, how did? Yeah, it was trippy. And that, and then like, I was like, oh wow, I'm gonna sit back now and be cool. So you really can't measure it by that. You really have to measure it by your happiness mm. and the balance of feeling like you're valued. Mm. Happiness and your feeling of being valued. The balance of the two. What's your happiness level right now? I'm pretty happy. Okay. I'm, I feel like I've I've had a happy life. I feel I feel like I've had some very good times for a long time, you know? I think that Yeah. I think that this last year I think it's a transformative time for me right now in some ways for sure. I think it is for everyone. Mhm. But I can't totally speak for I can't not totally. I can't speak for anyone besides myself actually. Mm-hmm. But um Yeah, I'm in a transformative time even without i mean i can't speak say without the pandemic because there's no such thing right sure but i was feeling that before the pandemic but uh yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty happy there you go for the most part yeah and also i want to say this actually i think that this is important with my career with the idea of happiness i think that your collaborators and people who show you love and your friends make your dreams come true. Oh, yeah? And what and I've way? Been, oh, because I think someone gives you a chance, someone believes in you, and then there's someone you can talk to. That helps your dreams along. I mean, that's yeah. how your dreams manifest. You cannot manifest your dreams by yourself. Of course, you know, the, it starts with a thought, but you can't do it alone. Yeah. That's what I'll say when I when I think about happiness in my career. I have to like pay pay respect to those people, you know? Mm. For helping me evolve in like that whole that whole uh circle of whatever, you know? That's that's true and that's very humble and generous of you, but I will, will also say that no one ever does anyone's job for them. No, no, no. But people you know, give you chances. Exactly. People give you and, opportunities. Oh, and it, don't it, get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think I've worked hard. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, I, and I think, yeah. But people do give you chances and opportunities for sure. Mm. Yeah. 
And yeah. I think that you push for opportunities. You work hard, but people give you opportunities and people show you love and people people help you grow, right? Yeah. Because you definitely give people opportunities and you have to have some type of belief in there to allow them to grow, to blossom into something. Because no one arrives A plus right then and there. I mean, <laughs> some people do, but I think it's rare. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know? Yeah. It's funny. I, I just got a, a, a uh, I did a Netflix film that's coming. I just saw the trailer today. It's called Beauty. It's coming out May 7th. Oh, shit. It's directed by Anthony Mandler with Jeffrey Wright, Jennifer Hudson, ASAP Rocky. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. A couple of other cats. Yeah. And I have another, another film coming out later on this year called Beauty on Netflix as well. Wait, so two two called Beauty? <laughs> no, one's called Beauty. I'm sorry. One's called Beauty. One's called called Monster. So two films I costumed coming out this year on Netflix. And the next, yeah. One's called Beauty and one's called Monster. Oh, my damn. I'm, I'm looking at them right now. Beauty, there's probably not a lot of stuff about Beauty. Yeah, Beauty, like there's not. Oh, John Carlo Esposito? Hello. Yeah. Sharon yeah, Stone? Yeah. Bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Oh my god, that's that's incredible! Congrats, thank you. What was that like? That was that was good. That was great. Did you film it during the pandemic? No, 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 no. Okay, you know it's just delayed. Sure, it was two thousand and nineteen. Okay, right before the end of the year, before it all got crazy. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks again. I I really really appreciate it. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Cool. You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. Our associate producer is Jason Schwimmer. Maddie Franklin is in your DMs and running our socials, and Brendan Finn is our sage editor. Theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can find us on Instagram, at Blamo Podcast. And do us a favor, leave a review on whatever app you're listening to us on right now. If you can't stop and need all that hot content, join us on Patreon for tons of exclusive episodes, our private Slack group, merch hookups, and all the fun you can ever imagine in the world. I'm Jeremy Kirkland, and I've never used an entire tube of chapstick in my life. See you next week.